0: taken i call him steve jr <laughs> this is our youth leader brad we're very glad to have you speak to us this Thanks. morning brad. good morning everybody um so as uh, pastor bonnie said uh pastor steve and uh, lisa are taking a well-deserved trip so you're stuck with me for the next two weeks so sorry about that but uh we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is taking faith home and what i'm hoping to leave you with is just a couple different tools and some advice to help you take faith home and better understand how important it is. But before we get started, I could use some more prayer, so let's just pray one more time and we'll get started. God, we just thank you again for bringing us here this morning. And we thank you for this, uh, just the weather breaking and uh, just for bringing us here safely. I, I pray right now as we dig into how we can better serve you at home and we can learn more about you home or at home, God. I just thank you for this opportunity and I pray that uh, your your spirit is just filled among this place and that we're just glorifying you in all that we do. In your name, amen. So before we really dig into what we're going to talk about, I'm going to tell you a story. And this story, some of you may have heard, it's a pretty old one, but uh, there it's about this scientist who was doing an experiment. This scientist, he took a frog, he put it on table and he yelled jump frog jump and the frog jumped the scientist looked at it goes okay so he wrote that down put it back down on the table he yelled jump frog jump same thing the scientist continued this one more time just want to make it, make sure that he had his data accurate after he did this he actually surgically removed one of the frog's legs put it back down on the table same thing did it a couple times making sure his data was correct he continued this Don't know why, but he removed a second leg, a third leg, and eventually the frog's fourth leg. Put the frog back down on the table and yelled, jump, frog, jump. Frog didn't do anything. So the scientist said, you know, I'm going to try this again. Put it down on the table, jump, frog, jump. Now he was getting a little annoyed, so he goes, okay, last try. Jump, frog, jump. Frog didn't jump. So the scientist, something clicked that a frog without legs must not be able to hear anything. Now, I know this is kind of a silly story, but this is, like I said, I'm hoping it's going to illustrate a little bit about what I'm talking about. If you could just imagine that the frog's legs, or that the frog's head is the church leadership. The torso of the frog is the church family, and the frog's legs are the home, our homes that we go to every day. We're mainly going to be focusing on the legs of the frog but looking into the head and torso as well the exciting thing about this is i was actually able to work it out that you can all take your own frogs home and do this experiment parents i thought you would love that another pet in the house just kidding we're not gonna you're, i promise you i don't have a frog for you so sorry kids if there's any kids here this morning well, when you walk in here on a uh, whenever you come in here you can always see we have plenty of opportunities for you we have sunday morning worship we have children's programs, we have youth programs, we have dinners, we have special events. We always have something going, ar- going on in this church. But the issue that we're going to cover this morning is when you walk outside of these doors, and that's when, if you will, the, fr- the legs of the frog come into place, where you can walk out of here, we can give you everything that you want when you're inside these doors, but if you don't have the legs to do what you need to do, you're not going to go anywhere. The youth a couple weeks ago started a series that's just simply called Word. It's a Bible series that we're doing that is on the playbook of God's plan for us, the Bible. As families, you need to be digging into that Bible daily and just really instilling that into your kids at a young age. But it goes so far beyond that. It goes as far as into our, our, our daily examples for our children. Not just for our children, but for our pe- our coworkers, the people around us, our friends, just everyone in general. And over the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about five principles of taking faith home. And I'm going to go over the fir- all five of them real quick, just so you kind of see where we're going to go with this. If you got one of the fill-in-the-blank sheets when you came in, uh, you're actually, these are going to be the blanks that you're going to be filling in. So the first principle we're going to be talking about is faith is formed by the power of the Holy Spirit through personal, trusted relationships, often in our own homes. The second point, the church is a living partnership between the ministry of the congregation and the ministry of the home. The third, the home is church too, as long as Christ is present in faith. Number four, which is my personal favorite, faith is caught more than it's taught. And the fifth one is, if we want Christian children and youth, we need to be Christian adults and parents. Now we're going to be covering the first two points this week, and the next week we're going to be covering the remaining three. But before we really get into the first point, I want to dig into the Bible a little bit here. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, if you could open to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And if you don't have it, it's going to be up on the screen as normal now. I'm going to be reading from the message version. So um, if you have another version, that's why it's not exactly uh, lining up. So starting in verse 4. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God is the only true God. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Memorize his laws and tell them to your children over and over again. Talk about them all the time. Whether you're at home or walking along the roads or going to bed at night, getting up in the morning write down copies and tie them to your wrist and foreheads to help you obey them write these laws on the door frames of your homes and on your town gates I'm not here this morning I don't want you to feel convicted I don't want you to feel guilty but if you're sitting here and you have a young one in your family or anyone you know that is not walking with Jesus God tells us we need to be telling about the, about his love daily my main question is is if, you, if you do know somebody in your life That is not walking with Jesus Why do you not want to tell them And I don't think it's as much as Why don't you want to tell them But sometimes you feel scared to talk about that And that's going to lead me into my first point Which is faith is formed By the power of the Holy Spirit Through personal trust relationships Often in our own homes There was a survey that was given To hundreds of college, college students And they were all asked the same question one question. Who were the five most influential people in your life? If you remember a couple months ago, Pastor Steve actually shared a similar survey. This is, this is different, but I want to share the top five answers with you. Now, each person was told just the top five. Who are they? And it, the, be the answers are on the board behind me. I feel like it's family feud when I was going over this, but the number one answer is mother. Seventy-four percent of female and 81% of male had mother in their top five. Number two is father. 50% of female and 61% of male had this in their top five. Number three is pastor slash youth pastor. 44% of female and 57% of male had this in their top five. Number four is youth group. I didn't just put those because I'm the youth pastor. Um, of female and 30% of male had this in their top five. And the fifth one is grandparents. 29% of female and 30% of male had this in their top five. As you can see here, mother and father, not only are one and two, but they are leaps and bounds above everything else. And it hurts me over the years of being in youth ministry, I hear countless, I've heard countless times parents come up to me and say, Matt. My kids want nothing to do with me. They think I'm old. They think I'm—I uh, just don't know anything. They just think that I am just—they want nothing to do with me, and that really saddens me. Bel- believe me, I was at that stage. I remember growing up, being a teenager. You know, I just felt like my mom was out to embarrass me no matter what I did. I know every single time I left the house, I'd be with my group of friends, and you know, I, I was this big man. I don't want—I don't want my mom kissing me. She's like. She's like, Mackie, honey, come and give me a kiss. I'm like, no. Hey, kids, I have something for you. They're just going to get the kiss, and they're going to embarrass you more anyways. So just kiss them because it means more to them than anything you can ever imagine. But seriously, before I I read the outcome of this survey, I asked myself, what are my top five? And my top five were pretty much identical to this, with mom and dad being one and two. They're actually here this morning, so I'm not going to tell you who was one and two because I don't want to have any issues. So, like I said, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents instilled with me at a very young age the foundation of the love of Jesus. Growing up, we would eat every dinner together. If my dad would come home late, if we ate, we would, we would uh, sit with him while he ate. Before each meal, it would either be my dad praying or my brother or I, mostly me, would do that famous, we thank you, Lord, for giving us food. We think if you don't know, notice the Superman prayer, it's really cool. <laughs> God was always in our home. At every Thanksgiving and Christmas, my parents would let me do a lesson sermon um, uh, to my parents, brothers, and grandma. I remember taking the dirty clothes hamper, I'd sit it down, I'd put a stool on top of it, and I would throw a blanket over it, and at the age of five, I was preaching to my parents and my family. I tell you this story, not so you hear about my family, but for you to understand how important family was to me i wasn't it wasn't just my family though it was people all around me setting that constant godly example every single day. with that said, if you're sitting here this morning you're like, "Oh man, I'm off the hook, I don't have kids wrong. A friend of mine who volunteered at a youth group he was sitting in a restaurant across from the school where were like 95% of the students that, uh, the youth, that the youth group attended uh, went to that school. And he was watching, and the school was letting out, and they were all filling into the restaurant. And before he knew it, he kind of looked up to the left, and he saw this group of students walk up to him that he didn't know. He's like, oh, boy. One had a chain around his neck that you towed a car with, like literally uh, this huge chain. And he goes, man, you're in our booth. Get out. So my friend didn't want to cause trouble. He started getting out of the booth. But as he got out, he looked over and saw one of his students from the youth group. And the, and the student goes, hey, man, what are you doing here? And before my friend could answer, Change McGee goes, who is this guy? And he goes, oh, he's, my youth, he's one of my youth leaders at my church. So before my friend could say anything, Change just shoved him back into the booth. He goes, sits down beside him. Everybody sits beside him and goes, what do you think about the devil? And my friend pauses. He goes, well, he's kind of a jerk, I think. And they go, that's awesome the next 90 minutes, they talked about Jesus, and every Wednesday for the rest of that school year, my friend met that same group of students at that restaurant and talked to these kids that he had no idea who they were, but because of that example that he set, he was able to show them Jesus and the love that he has for them daily, and so I just just want you to understand that these trusted relationships, that this example that you set is so important to everybody around you. But it just doesn't end with children. If you are here this morning, I don't know what it is, why you're here, but I hope you're here so you can hear that God loves you, that he loves you more than you can imagine. His love for you is so great, and he wants you to follow him and trust his son Jesus who died and paid the price for your sins so that you can be in eternity with him. If you came here this morning by yourself, I'm so happy. I pray that you continue that journey toward Jesus. And if you came here with a friend or family member, you most likely love them. You most likely see something in their life that you're like, what is, what's so great about Jesus? I want to see what that is. We're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk about Mormons for a minute. For if some of you didn't know, I actually lived in Wyoming for a couple years of my life. Uh, and Wyoming is a very big Mormon ministry field. And if, if you're not per familiar with the Mormon uh, faith, at the age of 18, they go on their mission. And their only job is to convert people to become Mormons. And this is a crazy stat. Out of every thousand people they talk to, they are able to get one to try to come to church. One. When they talk to a family member, a friend, or someone who sees their daily lives and how they, how they live their faith, that jumps to 50%, close to 50%. I bring that up because, again, I want you to understand that these personal, trusted relationships you have with friends or family members go beyond what you can ever imagine. Paul mentions many times in First and Second Thessalonians and Colossians, Colossians <laughs> nurturing and trusted relationships. So again, as you can see, faith is formed by the power of the Holy Spirit through personal, trusted relationships, often in our own homes. The second point we're going to touch on this morning is... The church is a living partnership between home and congregation. Jesus did his ministry along roads. He did it on the beaches. He did his ministry in homes, as well as synagogues and temples. The example that we should be following daily did a lot of his ministry outside of the church walls. So when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.11, be imitators of me just as I am of Christ, then why aren't we? I feel that, you know, this is a part of of our Christian life where sometimes we want to kind of pick and choose where we want to follow. And obviously, I don't know where everybody is, but me personally, I've done that in the past. I'm like, I, you know, it's cool, I'm fine. But, you know, this is f- so important for us to remember that the that I have a truth for that a harsh truth, and I and I I hope you take this out of love. And I know I don't know all of you, but this is just Something that's been on my heart that I want to tell you. The church is not here for you to leave this morning and say, I'm good. I did my weekly fly through. God is happy with me. The church isn't your sole provider of strength in your journey with Jesus. Coming to church and leaving here and going throughout your week like you you never came here isn't going to bode well for you. I'm not telling you this just because the Bible says this. I'm telling you this from my own example. From my own life that I tried to do that for a couple years of my life where I just would go to church and I told myself, I'm good. You know, I, I, I go to church. I, I learned about what, what God was saying to me this week and I went throughout my week. God was putting people in my life daily, my parents, my brother, my friends. I just wasn't getting it. And one day, if, if you've all heard me say this before, I like to say God just slapped me in the face. One day, it just hit me that I was like, Matt, what are you doing? Like, you walk outside these doors and you go from from all, you know, wanting to serve Jesus to I'm cool until next Sunday. The church, it needs to be a living partnership with your home and life outside of here. I'm sure most of you here this morning have had somebody in your life or somebody right now that you're trying to get to come to church. And they just keep shutting you down over and over again. And your first reaction is, well, I tried. What can I do? I have something to tell you. If they're not going to come to church, maybe God's calling you to be their church. Maybe God is calling you to go to them. Just as Jesus went out into the streets, out to the beaches, he went out and did his ministry. God tells us to do the same thing. I want to go back to a point that I talked about earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. It says, when you are at home or when you're away from the home. I want to make sure you understand here that home refers to any place, to your, any place outside of this church, your, any social interaction you have. The church and home are so vital to anyone's walk with Christ. Again, you can come to church. You can have your cup filled every week. You can get that charge every single week. But if you leave here and back to that frog store, you don't have those legs. To go anywhere, you're not going to go anywhere. But at the same time, if you have those legs, but you don't, you don't come to church and learn where you need to go with those, it's kind of hard to get someplace. Acts 2 is another place in the Bible where partnering home and congregation have a vital role. It provides a description of the beginning of the church of Pentecost. The disciples were gathered together in a house in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came upon them. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples began to speak in foreign languages that could only be understood by the Jews that were gathered at that time in Jerusalem from, as it says in Acts two five, every nation under heaven. The Jewish people were there for the festival of Pentecost. On that day, 3,000 people were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Let, let me say that again. three thousand people were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and were given the gift of the Holy Spirit so if you have one two three people if you have (laughs) 2,999 you can go and make that difference because you if you're here this morning you have that trust and you believe in Jesus Christ you have the Holy Spirit and just as the disciples did here With the Holy Spirit empowering them, the Holy Spirit empowers you as well. It goes on in Acts 2 to say, day by day, as they spent much time. And this is, I'm sorry, this is after everyone was saved and, you know, all the faithful, it says that they lived together and they shared everything they had. It says in Acts 2, verses 46 and 47. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous, generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. Where it says broke bread together, it's, it's an expression that is more fully described earlier in this passage in verse 42, and it says they devo- devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowshipping, fellowship to breaking of the bread and the prayers. This is one way how Christians live their lives And make it more intimate outside of this church and in their homes i want to give you three activities that have happened that are happening or will happen when we partner home and congregation and they'll be on the board behind me they're also on the fill in the blank sheets there's no blanks but they're on there as well the first one is the testimonies of paul peter and many others jesus meant for their examples for our godly examples to be passed and our godly examples to be passed down from generation to generation. Number two, partnership is the edification from the home that enables the witness, leadership, and service in the community. It was not only public preaching that grew the church, but also breaking bread from house to house and families passing down their faith, like Timothy's mother and grandmother who led them to his ministry. Remember, Just as the public ministry builds up individuals and households, the individuals and households build up our public ministry. So back to that. Family life is protected and seen as precious. And not only to care for the needs of the family is to miss something central to Christian life and faith. The home provides an arena for building up the body. And as such, it is to be revered and supported. As it says in 1 Timothy 5.8, And whoever does not provide for relatives and especially for the family members has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. My wife said something to me once, and I will never ever forget this. She looked at me and said, Matt, it really upsets me, makes me sad when I hear people say, I don't want to bring kids into this messed up world. And I said, what do you mean by that? She goes, why not? I want to bring kids into this messed up world, teach them about the love of Jesus, and send them out into that messed up world and make a difference. And I just looked at her and thought to myself, amen, honey. Like, that is the way we need to be thinking. And then it made me think, God, you put the right woman in my life, because if she's thinking this way, that is just awesome what our kids are going to have. Just as Timothy, Timothy's mother and grandmother did, and we're hoping to do with our daughter, and if we're blessed with any other children, we all need to be doing that. And again, that's just not children. If you have people in your life that are, are new in their faith, and they're just beginning their journey, support them, love them, be with them as they are beginning their journey so that they can go out because we know we need as many people as possible to show the love of Jesus. I have one final story to tell you this morning. A mentor friend of mine, Pastor Al, told me this story that he was in a parents meeting. And Pastor Al, he is this huge, he actually was a linebacker for Wisconsin back in the 60s. He played in the Rose Bowl. He, just this huge guy. So he didn't like cut any corners. He was just very straightforward. He was standing in front of a group of parents and he said, he told the parents, or asked the parents, he goes, would you call your kids into a room and have on the kitchen table an array of stuff that if you ever caught them with, you would ground them for life, such as drugs, alcohol, pornography, anything like that, and tell them, I'm going to walk out of this room, and when I walk out, you kids can pick whatever you want off of this table, and then that's cool, we're, we're done with it, and all those parents were like, no, why would, why would we do that? And Pastor Rock goes, I know you wouldn't do that. So my question is, is, why do you let them choose when it comes to eternity in Jesus Christ? Obviously it's their choice, but what I'm trying to get at is when they're younger and they're growing, you're their parents, that you're, you're pit, you, you are doing best what's for them. And the best thing for them is Jesus Christ. So when they say I don't want to go to church, I don't want to do this. I'm not saying you force them. I'm not because we know where that gets you. But don't give up so easy. As Pastor Al said, this is eternity we're talking about here. This isn't what we're gonna have for dinner. This is eternity. I want you to make. Sh- I want to make sure you understand that. I don't. I don't know your family situation at all. But you know, I want you to understand that there are people in this church that love you so much. And this is my final thought that. You know, I keep saying this morning that, that a home is church, but church can also be home. And I think it's so awesome, the connect groups that we have here. And I promise you this, I had no idea last week. I just sat in my chair and, and laughed when to myself when Pastor Steve started introducing the connect groups because I went, I had no idea he was going to do that because that is an opportunity for you to go outside of these walls and go to a home that these people have opened up and you can have a more intimate setting just as in Acts 2 where it says they broke bread together they shared in their joy and they talked to each other and they supported each other you know the the church is here we want to be able to support you we want to be able to walk beside you and if you're here this morning and you know you want to join up for one of those connect groups you can just go walk right outside the door and to the left there's a sign up sheet and if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, man, I, I don't know about all this. I, I don't really know where I stand. I'm just kind of confused this morning, and I, I don't know why you're talking about frogs and all this. But if you're confused and you want to know more about Jesus, I would love you to come and talk to me. I, if you don't want to talk to me, we have this Connect card. You can write down that you want to talk with Pastor Steve, and I'm sure he would be more than – I know he would be more than happy to talk to you. As I said, the church can be home, too we want to be here to support you so that when you go out into that world, outside these doors, and you hear, if you will jump, frog, jump in the name of Jesus Christ you are filled with that Holy Spirit and you can make that difference, and that's my charge for you this morning, is to go and make that difference in this world because God loves you He he's always there, he's never leaving you let's pray God, I just thank you again for this morning I thank you for Uh, bringing us here, and I thank you for the homes that you give us. God, I don't, again, I've said I I don't know where anyone is in their home life, but God, you give us opportunities outside these doors to learn more about you, to be supported, and and just to be loved on. And and I pray that we are able to find those places, that we can show people your love. And uh, we just thank you so much, and we love you in your name. Amen.